Welcome. You're listening to sermons and talks from Providence Church in Brisbane. We believe that God speaks to us through His Word, the Bible. So we pray that as you listen, you'll be encouraged and challenged to love Jesus and live for Him. For more information about Providence Church, please visit our website, Well, Father, thank you so much uh, for your word that you do speak to us through it. And we pray, Lord, now as, as, uh, as we receive it, that your spirit be at work in our hearts, moving our hearts to, to know you and to live for you uh, as you've called us to, to be a people of love as you are. So we pray for this now in your son's name. Amen. Uh, so it was my birthday last week, and uh, as a gift, one of, my, uh, one of the members here at church uh, decided to make a meme of me. Uh, so here's the picture that he did. Uh, he photoshopped my face on this meme, so you're telling me that that's the meme, uh, and that's my face. Now, I know memes for a lot of Gen Z here, it's out of fashion, but, you know, this guy was one of the Gen Y guys here, uh, and, <laughs> and he decided to do this photoshopping. Now, you can see that, right? Apparently, apparently, I'm known to have this cynical facial expression, uh, and I can't argue that, right? That's just, that is just my face. It's my face when I'm thinking. It's my face when I'm concerned. It's my face when I'm confused. It's my face when I am suspicious and cynical. Uh, I don't even know that I'm pulling that face half the time, but that got captured on camera. Uh, others at church have also told me that I, ha- I give off grumpy old man vibes. Let me be clear, I'm not yet 40, but here I am sadly and unfortunately known as the cynical, grumpy old man at church. That's a real shame, isn't it? It's a real shame because I don't want to give off those vibes. I mean, I'd rather have my face photoshopped on a meme that represents kindness and joy and being approachable and friendly. But unfortunately, at least some of you here at church think, think this of me. It's okay, I'm not hurt. It's not, I'm not hurt. Can't really deny it. It is me. It's funny because it's sort of true. But I want to ask you today, if you were made into a meme or photoshopped onto a meme, what would it be? What would you be known for? Unfortunately, this is what I'm known for, but what best represents you? I bring this up because I don't know about you, but for me, I wish and hope I could be less of a cynical, grumpy old man, and surely you would too, right? Even more so for the church, if you are a Christian, what are you and I known for? What is a Christian known for? What would a Christian represent? When people meet us, get to know us, and they go away, what kind of impression do we leave on them? What marks us that shows that we are a people that worship Jesus, that we, uh, that we want to represent Him and as, as God's people? The Bible today, in this section of the Bible, it's going to show us that if we truly follow Jesus, we'll desire to live like Him and love like Him. And that's what Christians should be known for. Uh, If you're here and you're not a Christian, I also hope uh, hope today that you'll learn a little bit about who Jesus is and how that shapes how we as Christians uh, aim to live this life. And appreciating the reality as well that Christians are also just human as well. We are Jesus. We don't always get it right, yet he is the, the perfect example that we follow. When John the Apostle, so John is one of the apostles of Jesus, one of the the 12 disciples, he writes this letter to the church back in his day, a couple thousand years ago, Uh, and in this part of the text, he wants to begin with a negative example. That's what he starts with. He says this because he he knows that the reality in churches, even in his day, uh, in his time of day and today's as well, uh, this 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 is what happens. So verse 11 to 15, this is what he writes for us. I've got it on the screen. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. 
And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. He starts off with this, love one another. And don't be like Cain, who murdered his brother. Uh, for us who don't know the story, it's all, all the way back in Genesis chapter 4. Uh, we, we need the context to understand what he's talking about. Cain, who, what, what's that all about? I've got on the screen for us as well, uh, Genesis 4 verse 2. And I'm going to read this again just to give you context. Uh, this happened at the very beginning. So you got Adam and Eve, and then afterwards you got Cain and Abel. Right? So that's at the beginning of our Bibles. Uh, Abel kept flocks. Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what's right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? Let's take some quick notes from this section. We've got Cain and Abel, they're brothers. They both worship God. They both bring an offering of thanksgiving to God. Cain brings his choice fruit, right? His harvest, the best of his harvest. Abel, the best of his livestock. Now, we don't know why God looked on favor on Abel's more than Cain's. It doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us why. We can guess. I guess it's because God knew Cain's heart and intentions you can see the way that Cain responds. His intentions is he, he, wants to be, he wants to be recognized and acknowledged by God, and he, he's competitive and he's jealous and all that sort of stuff. So you can see the selfish, self-glorifying attitude that Cain has. It explains why he gets angry later on. And as you read that story, you can see why John then uses this example, Cain and Abel, uh, to apply to the church as well, to the church family. Right? The Bible uses language that we're brothers and sisters in Christ, so you look at these two brothers, Cain, who had this intense jealousy and anger, even hatred towards his brother to the point of murdering him. Now, you and I might never consider actually murdering someone, I hope, but verse 15 says, when we hate, we are murdering in our hearts. He's using a principle from Jesus' own teaching. Back in Matthew's gospel, I don't have it on the screen, but he talks about how we're angry towards a brother and sister. When we're angry, we're committing murder in our hearts. To hate is no better than Cain. To hate is to be no better than Cain. It's really strong language, isn't it? He adds, don't be surprised as well if the world hates you. And he says this because in this context, because sometimes the world out there, sometimes they are quite antagonistic to Christians, but sometimes the world also lurks right here, exists right here in the church. Darkness lurks in the church. Let's be real. Let's not be naive about this. There are people in church that look on the outside that they're worshiping God just like Cain. High fives and hugs all around, welcoming smile when they arrive at church, but in their hearts, jealousy, hatred, anger towards another. Let's not be surprised. There are, there are self-confessing Christians who, from their lips, we worship God, but in their hearts, they're committing murder towards a brother or sister in the church. Some will display Cain-like behavior. Don't be surprised. If we meet someone in church who, appear to, who appears to love singing praises to God, who appears to love serving God, but who have very little care or concern for others in church, even cutting others down in church. 
If it's possible for Cain to hate his brother, it's possible that there are worshippers of God in churches that have hearts like Cain's. Now for us, and I know our church, maybe using hate and anger is, is very strong language. And maybe in churches today as well, maybe even at our church, the issue isn't anger or hate. It's being indifferent. It's being passive. You know, the problem is in churches hopefully isn't hatred, but passivity. Passivity. Christians who say they're worshipping God but won't extend love to the people around them, won't walk with others and carry each other's burdens, who won't pray for others, who won't go out of our way to serve and love. And like Cain, we'll ask the question, am I my brother's keeper? Now sure, anger and hate might not be what describes our hearts, but indifferent or passive isn't loving one another either, is it? Jesus and John just don't want us to not hate a brother, but they say love one another actively love one another. Christians who are living out their faith in Christ live loving others. See, Cain was a negative example of love, but John gives us the model example of love in verse 16. He says this, I think I've got it on the screen, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Friends, this is the heart of the Christian faith, isn't it? Jesus laid down his life for us. That's a huge deal. See, the Bible describes us as sinners. That just means that within our human nature, we don't have the desire to want to live for God. But instead, we want to live for ourselves. Isn't that true of every human being, even me, all of us? We don't want him at the center. We put ourselves at the center. And that sin then, it's a relationship breakdown. We, we separate ourselves from God. We dismiss God for who he is, and, we, and, we, and we, we, we take the throne over our own lives, don't we? And at the heart of sin is that rebellion against our Creator, dismissing him and choosing to worship ourselves or other things. Yet sin is so intertwined with our nature, isn't it, that we actually can't save ourselves from the sin. Right? No matter how many good works we do or charitable things or, 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 or everything we do is still going to be stained by the sin in our nature. We need a redeemer. We need a savior outside of us. And when it comes to the gospel, Christianity, everything centers upon our savior, Jesus. Jesus the Christ, Jesus the savior, the Messiah. He laid down his life for us. Why? It says, because of love. Love drove him to sacrifice himself, to put aside his very own life so that we could live. His love leads to life. And his love is, is so life-giving, isn't it? Because not only do we experience life as he intended with him as our God, we're going to hear that more from Tim and Annie, how, how much more life they've experienced uh, and the richness of life since uh, coming to church uh, in this lifetime. But we're going to have life eternal with God as well. We get eternal life because of his love, because of Jesus' life laid down for us. John points us to Jesus here because if we do take the title of Christian, if we call ourselves Christians, it means we follow Christ. It means when we worship Jesus, we share the heart of Jesus as well. He's our model. And if he's laid down his life for us in love, what does it mean to love those around us? Who he also loves. Being a Christian means that loving the church is an overflow of knowing and loving Jesus. If you come to our church long enough, you know our vision statement on our banners and everything and our website, loving Jesus, loving each other, loving our world. It starts with loving Jesus. If we don't love Jesus, it doesn't overflow to loving each other. But when we love Jesus, we will want to love each other. It's an overflow of our love for Jesus. 
So loving your church family, a brother or sister in Christ, if you truly say you worship and follow Jesus, I'm going to go as far to say that loving your church is a non-negotiable. Jesus said it himself. In John 13, 34, in the Gospel of John, it says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. It's a must there. It's a non-negotiable. If you're a Christian, you're called to love God's people. You know, too often I, I, meet, I meet Christians who, who just want to do church at home. They want to stream online, and listen to song, Christian songs, and they don't want to have anything to do with the church. Church is a bunch of hypocrites. Church is all judgy and judgment, judgmental people there. You hear that. I had a friend once say who, who left the church, he said, I'm a fan of God, just not a fan of his fan club. And you hear those sort of things, but Jesus loves the church. Will we share his heart as well, as hard as it is to love sometimes? I know it's hard to love. I know it's so much easier to be passive, to sit back and not have any care for our brother or sister in Christ. Am I really my brother's keeper? They're adults. They can take care of themselves. They don't need me. I don't know if that thought has ever crossed your mind. I sometimes have thought that. But then I remember actually, hey, I'm an adult and I need others sometimes too. I want to be loved and seen and known and have people around me who I can do life with. Truth is, right, to be human is to need relationships. We need community. We aren't made to be alone. There is no self-made man. We're better people when we have others sharpening us, encouraging us, challenging us. We're better together. Imagine if we all came to church here and had an attitude, we're here only for ourselves. There'd be no one welcoming you, no one praying for you, no one supporting you, no one asking you the hard questions. There really is no church if you think church exists and revolves around you. You see, the truth is the church is a, a community built around Jesus. He's at the center of it. And because he's at the center of it, it means we're called to love one another. Is that hard for you to do? I know it's hard. There are days I find it hard. You can admit it. It's okay. It's hard to love people, especially if they're different to you, especially if you have nothing in common, especially if they seem to have uh, more needs than you and sometimes you feel, very, you feel very drained afterwards. It's hard. It's, I get it. But it's in those moments we all need to ask ourselves, how does Jesus see us? Because when Jesus sees me and I reflect on this, man, I'm such a needy person. <laughs> I'm a broken man. I have so much mess in my life that pops up here and there. I can see that the sin in my own heart, the pride, the jealousy, the lust, anger, envy, greed, impatience. Don't we all have that at times, at least? The list goes on. Why would Jesus even bother with me, I wonder? I'm a mess. I'm the most difficult person to love. I sometimes feel sorry for my wife. If I was God, I wouldn't want to extend love and forgiveness to someone like me especially God who can see and knows my even deepest thoughts and emotions. Yet we come to this very truth. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, for you, for me. If he's willing to do that for someone as wretched as I am, surely I can extend that love to those around me, right? Surely. My love won't be as perfect as Jesus, for sure. It'll be imperfect. It won't be like his love, but I can strive to love, to lay down my life as best as I can for others. I can do that when I myself have received the amazing, undeserving, gracious love of Christ, can't I? What about you? 
Will you sit with that truth about who Jesus is and his love for you? And will you extend love to those around you? Not just your friends. That's, they're the easy people to love. Not, the, not the, the, the easy people around as well, but truly love those who you might share nothing in common with except your faith in the Lord Jesus. Verse 17 to 18 challenges us to love, not just in word, word but in action as well. Verse 17, it's on the screen. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. I find it so interesting because when you look around in culture and society today, we say love is love, don't we? Spread the love. We want to love everyone. We're loving people. And so I don't know if you've noticed at times, but sometimes we do that, and it's just like a coverall excuse to actually not love anyone in particular. It sounds good and feels really good to say, but in practice, when it comes to the individual, actual people, there is no real practical love. There's no real understanding or concern. And we'll share videos and write stuff on our social media to express it, but we won't actually do anything or go out of our way to love actual people. And too often that idea, that sentiment, it's so present in churches too, isn't it? We come to church and say, I love my church. But how are we actually practically loving our church? How are we practically loving our brothers and sisters here? Sometimes it's easy for us to go to church like, like going to the movie theaters. We go and we hope it's a really good movie that day, entertaining, enjoyable, but we don't really need to contribute anything. We just sit, let's be entertained. Is that how we're going to approach church? Is being a Christian just a Sunday gig? Really, when we understand it, it's an all-of-life thing, isn't it? Giving of ourselves and receiving too in love where we love and are loved. And a community that truly loves Jesus will be flourishing in love for one another in real and practical ways. As Jesus laid down his life for you, will you love, not just with words, but with action, to see where the needs are, to step up, take initiative? We simply can't say we love Jesus and not share in his love for others. That would just be lip service, wouldn't it? But to love in action... With our time, our energy, our presence, our resources, what if we loved like that? What if we lay down our lives in that way? It won't be easy. I guarantee you it won't be easy. It won't be convenient. You'll be making sacrifices, your, your me time, your free weekend, your night off, so you can be with someone who's going through grief, perhaps, or someone struggling on their own who needs help, someone who's struggling with loneliness. It might be making changes to that holiday budget, being more frugal on yourself with eating out and splurging, this is an example, so you could shout a meal, so you could be generous to others around you. It might like, look like opening your home to people so others in your community can feel included in your life. Loving in action, it might look like our time, the sharing or giving of our resources, perhaps our finances, uh, often our finances, using our skills that you, might have others, that you might have and others don't to support others around us in love. We all have to, to work out how we can love in action. And I want to challenge our church here. If we say, if you say you're a follower of Christ, you say you know his love for you, will you take time and look around and take initiative? Take initiative to love and serve those in your church family. And I get it, there are times in our lives and seasons where we can't. Our health is struggling, mental health as well, you've lost a loved one, you're going through grief, you're at capacity in life, you're in a season where you're just receiving love more than giving it. That's totally understandable. There is no room for self-condemnation or guilt in that, in those moments. But the issue is when our hearts are more like Cain's, 
It's not that we're unable, it's that we don't want to. Will we look like Jesus? Will we follow Jesus? Will, we, will, we, will our love be marked, will our love for Christ be marked by love for others? What will we be known for? If you're new here and you don't know much about Christianity, welcome to church. I hope you can see the Bible is quite honest about the human heart. Christians don't always get it right. We're far from perfect. We're only human. We want to love, but we don't love perfectly all the time. We want to be caring and selfless in everything we do, but at times we fail, and sometimes we fail miserably. And I hope every Christian that you meet can unashamedly admit that. Yet we believe a God that gives us, even with all our flaws and our sin, He gives us grace and love and forgiveness. Not because we're special or have done anything to earn that, but simply that's the God who we know. That's the God who is. The Christian is one who believes that and trusts that and puts their faith in Jesus as the one who saves them from their sin and rescues us into a restored relationship with God. And you see, when that relationship begins, our lives and our hearts are also in that process of change. Putting to death our old selves, we say, the jealousy, the anger, the pride, the selfishness, the hatred in our hearts. And we want to live for Jesus. We want to look like Jesus. That's what the Christian strives for as people who have received an undeserved life-giving love from God. If you're not a Christian here, I don't want you to go away today without at least me inviting you to consider that. Would you, whether you'd also want to receive the love and forgiveness in Jesus too. I want to invite you to put the, your trust in a God who knows you. He knows the great parts about you and he also knows your flaws as well and still chooses to love you still. Loves you to the point that he'll come into our world, that he will die on a cross for you to receive forgiveness. And there is no loss in knowing and worshipping Christ. In fact, there is only gain when you receive the life and love that comes from him. Church, for us, as I wrap up, I want to encourage you to reflect on what characteristics mark that you're a Christian. What practically shows it? Spend time reflecting on the love of Christ in your life. Reflect on his goodness and his greatness. Consider the, 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 the church community you joined. When you first became a Christian, when you first joined church, maybe the church you got baptized at, maybe it's not this one, where you felt part of a, a gospel community, Go back to that. Go back to that community that surrounded you at the time, the people who invested in you, the people who served you, the people who loved you, the, where, where, the community that experienced God, where you experienced God's love. Is that what you want for Providence as well? A church community marked by love. Tim and Addie, they're going to get baptized today. And they're not admitting they're perfect people now, that they've got their lives together, they know what they're doing but they're celebrating who God is, the God who has given them life, who has given them love, and that's what their baptism is pointing us to as well. It also means that they're saying uh, to us all, I want to live for Jesus. I want to love like Jesus. I want to strive for change because Jesus is worth it, because Jesus has shown me how much he loves me through the laying down of his life for me so I could have life with God. So my hope as a church is we'll continue to cultivate that heart, a heart, a love for one another, not because we want to make much of ourselves in this world, but because we want to make much of Jesus and his love for us. Let's pray. Father, help us to see the beauty of Jesus' love for us, that he laid down his life so we could have life. May that spur us on, and may your spirit help us to be a people who love one another out of your love, to be generous in love, to be known as a people of love, as followers of Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.